Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, Doug and Jess waiting to take your phone calls. Always a big weekend during the summer in the garden, but especially a holiday weekend. And with the extra days, maybe you're doing something special. You need a little organic magic. They can help you. It is 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. I'm going to step away from the microphone, let them jump in here and go to work in a moment. But we're going to take the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020. Doing an amazing $25 gift certificate from Sorgold. Ladies and gentlemen, the stars of the show. Doug Oster and Jessica Wallace here. Good morning, guys. Good morning, Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and everybodygardens.com. And I am horticulturist Jessica Wallace. Hard to believe it's July 4th already. I know. It goes so quick, you know. <laughs> I feel like I the kids believe. just got out yeah, of school. I can't believe it's July and I'm still not all planted, but it'll happen here this weekend. I'm, Maybe. I'm, I'm getting close. Eh, fishing, planting, planting, fishing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a it's big... quite the yeah, dilemma. Yeah, it's quite a dilemma. Gosh, what am I going to do? Fish. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's taking you so long to get all your plants in. No, you know what? It's always this way for me and I don't know why. It always takes to July 4th to get, especially the containers for some reason where I yeah. want them. Maybe I'm too cheap to buy everything at uh, retail. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of sales out there right now and I'm I'm eating it up. I'm loving it. That was this week's uh, video at everybodygardens.com, all about bargains. I just love getting bargains. I took a friend there uh, to Han Nursery actually and uh, he was like... He's not really much of a gardener, but he wanted to add a shrub here and something there. And he ended up with a whole wagon full of stuff. Well, I, I think I will put that thing on the deck. Not, well, when the prices are that good, it's really, you know, well, here's a great, hard here's to resist. A, here's a great price uh, for you people. If you want to cross a river or if you live in the north, you can get a free caladium bulb. I love caladiums. If you go to Han Nursery and just say you heard it, uh, heard it here, heard it from Doug, heard it from Jess, that... Uh, you want a free caladium bulb, so stop in there and get your free bulb and maybe a few bargains, too. So, big news! Awards! Uh, it's the Garden Writers Association's uh, annual awards. And, uh, Jessica, uh, for the blog Savvy Gardening that you work with, Savvy, Savvy Gardening blog, <laughs> you and three other garden writers won the overall blog award, which is very exciting. Very, Good very for cool. You. And you won some honors as well, both for your Plants That Matter series in the Trib and everybodygardens.com. And you also won uh, writing for the newsletter that you do, Yeah, right? I do this Everybody Gardens newsletter. At the time, it was quarterly and it was printed. Now it's monthly and it's, it's what you get when you become one of the things you get when you join my Seat of the Month Club. Yes, but always exciting to win. Better than losing. It is. And we'll find out if we win the gold, the which big, is like, so yeah. now So now we've we've both won the best golden retriever, right? The best dachshund, <laughs> right? Now we got to see if we win the best in show. And that's going to be at the annual uh, Garden Writers Conference 
in August up in Buffalo, and we'll both be at that conference. In fact, our show will be uh, live from yeah, we'll that li- conference, li- which will be pretty cool. Live from Buffalo, live from the Buffalo. Organic Gardeners. And, uh, and we'll find out there. So it'll be pretty, pretty exciting stuff. And one more little note to talk about. Next Saturday, I'll be at Whole Foods in Pine at 11 a.m. giving a free herb presentation, planting herbs now to keep the harvest going. And it's all to promote the Wexford Garden and Pond Tour, which happens the week after that. If you just look online, if you look at everybodygardens.com, there's a nice story in there. I had a really wonderful time meeting Dawn Anderson and telling a story of her garden. Because it's a, you know, it's a very, it has a lot of personality. You know, These I, are the best kind of gardens. Well, you know, we, we were kindred spirits, and then she's putting this old rusty wagon in there and, you know, statues and, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's good. All right, folks, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, Instant Access, KDK.com. Congratulations, Vanessa from Dormont, winner of that gift certificate from Wexford. And, of course, we're talking none other than the good folks at Sorgal. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. Steve Kressler, Organic Girl Salads, Summer Salads, next time with Joe and Frank Dentisi. But right now it's all Doug and Jess all the time until 8 o'clock. Here's Tina in Baden. Good morning, Tina. Good morning. Thank you. Um, I have a question about pollinating. Okay. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. we're oh, listening. Okay. <laughs> um, I have planted zucchini cucumbers and tomatoes and a little bit ago jessica had an article in the paper about the cucumbers coming out looking like little gourds uh-huh that they weren't getting pollinated right can i use the same paintbrush to pollinate the three of them or should i get three different ones okay this is really this good this question. is a great this is a great question so that um a great question yeah that, i wouldn't know that article is about uh, sort of when we get you mentioned like little gourds but they're deformed basically so yeah. if you have a cucumber that's really or a zucchini that's really stubby on one end and bulbous on the other mm-hmm. end chances are there's there's a pollination issue going on um and so hand pollinating right. really can help with that so with the members of the squash and melon and cucumber family um it's real easy to transfer pollen with a paintbrush from the male flowers, which have a straight stem, to the female flowers, which have what looks like a little miniature cucumber or a little miniature squash at the base of the flower. It's real easy to do that. Yes, you should use a different paintbrush per species of plant. I mean, your your zucchini are not going to pollinate your squash, or your zucchini are not going to pollinate your cucumbers, so you don't have to worry about it cross-pollinating, but just going to keep it a little cleaner to do that. Um, tomatoes, you mentioned, I think, in that list as well. That's a completely yeah, yeah. different That's a completely different kind of pollination. Um, tomatoes are self-pollinating, and within that flower, uh, the it's it's each tomato flower traditionally pollinates itself but what it requires is sort of the buzz of a bumblebee to knock the pollen from the anther onto the stigma so the way to hand or some other kind of bee right right or some other kind of bee but the frequency of the bumblebee is the best so um we have tons of bumblebees so that'll be great yeah so that won't be a problem your your tomatoes shouldn't have a problem but some people will do the tomato with an electric toothbrush to get that people go out and shake Wow. They just shake the plant to, yep. to try and get it to do its thing. All right. Let's say hi now to Jim in Portview. Hey, Jim. How you doing? Good morning. Uh, good morning, Doug and Jessica. Good morning. Uh, 
Uh, when I talked to you last week, Doug, you told me to keep, keep you informed with the harvest. This is the, uh, by, so everyone knows, the garlic king of Portview. Gotcha. That's me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, what's Thursday, going on? Friday, and yesterday, that's all I've been doing is harvesting garlic. Uh, I did 80 bulbs Thursday, 80 bulbs Friday, and 120 bulbs yesterday. You are the king. Yeah, and I, I still have about another 60 to do. And some of these are like the size of a baseball. Wow. And some uh, uh, mediocre, you know, a little smaller, and then some a little smaller. And then I even had some runts, but they're still good. Oh, yeah, I like those little ones. I like to pull those little ones aside and just kind of eat those over the winter just as a little snack. Yeah, well, this, these garlics, uh, you can't, this hardened garlic, you can't uh, keep it too long or else it just uh, withers away to nothing. Right. Uh, you, uh, you, you know, I generally take, uh, in, maybe in December, and I take in whatever I have left, I peel it and I put it in a container or a few containers with uh, canola oil, and it'll keep quite a while I can. But I use a lot in spaghetti. I, I'll use about six. At least six bulbs in a pound of spaghetti. Yeah, you got to watch garlic and oil storage at room temperature. Well, uh, I keep it in the fridge. Okay, there you go. But still, you, that's just something. It's a botulism. Yeah, you got to just keep an eye on uh, to be sure that you're doing that the right way. Yeah, I'm not sure they recommend the oil and garlic storage, but hey, if you have any extra garlic, I'll take some. That's a lot of heads of garlic, and that sounds like a really great harvest. So thanks for filling us in. All right, let's go to John calling today from Bethel Park. Hey, John. Good morning. Good morning. Well, I, I moved some of my dahlias this year to a new area, and I noticed early in the spring before I planted them that there was water standing there. It's kind of at a low spot at the bottom of the terrace. So I decided I'd better raise it, so I put them into raised beds. And I filled the raised beds with uh, a combination of topsoil and compost. And they came up beautifully, but they have seemed to have just sort of stalled out. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering if you have any ideas of what I did wrong and what I might be able to do about it. I actually don't think you did anything wrong. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Many my, my dahlias at home have stalled out as well. And I think it has a lot to do with how much rain we've been getting. Um, they're not like turning brown or rotting. They're just not growing. Is that what they're the... Just, that's right. They're just yeah. not growing. They've come up to anywhere between 8 and 12, 14 inches, and they just seem to be sitting there. Yeah. I have some dahlias in another part of my garden. They're doing beautifully. Okay. And they've got buds and everything, but huh. this section is really slow. Yeah. I, you know what? I, and I've, again, I've got the same thing. I've got the ones in the front garden are more advanced than the ones in the back garden. It could be sunlight levels. You know, um, and I'm also guessing just because it's overall that wet, you know, that mm -hmm. low-lying wet area, since we've got so much rain, maybe there's something involved there. Since somewhere else in the garden, they're doing good. I would say as long as they're not showing signs of rot, they're not showing signs of any, you know, bacterial issues in there, I wouldn't worry too much about them. I mean, you did it right in filling that raised bed with a mixture of the topsoil and the compost. Um, you know, yeah, you're probably going to have a little bit of drainage issues in there, even though you raised it up a little bit just because it's a more low-lying area. But I would give them through this season, see how they do. If you, they're really suffering, even at the end of the season, maybe plant something different in that area and, and not dahlias again, just, just in case that did have something to do with it. 
Okay. Okay. Good Thank luck. You. Thank you. Okay, Helen is next for Doug and Jess from Economy Today. Hey, Helen, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm having a tr- some problem with my kale. Something's eating it really badly. I think it's little worms. Mm-hmm. And I you can stop. You can stop right there. <laughs> we know exactly what it is. We, we see it everywhere. It's it's cabbage worms. Oh yes, and kale is one of their favorites. And then I'm I'm facing it in my own garden on the cabbage and the kale and the broccoli. So they love all members of that cabbage family. Um, there's a couple things that you can do. Uh, you can go out and hand pick them off if you have the time and you want to. You know, search through all the leaves to look for them. They're little light green. They're really hard to see sometimes because they really blend in. Uh, but Especially you... those little ones. Oh, you know, yeah, you'll have so all tiny. You'll have big ones, and the next generation will be on there. It is such a pain. Yeah. Hand-picking is a pain. You didn't cover your plants with floating row cover? Nope. And that's normally what I would do, float them with, uh, you know, cover them with a layer of floating row cover from the day that you plant them, and it can stay right over top of the plants until the day of harvest. So you knew you'd be dealing with cabbage worms, because we always are. Exactly. But my... What do you put over it? Uh, it's called It's called floating row cover. It's a white, lightweight, uh, translucent fabric that rests on the top of the plants. But it has to be done, like just said the day you plant now that ship sailed you right. know the cabbage worms <laughs> cabbage worms are already on there and the eggs are probably underneath too right so what i would suggest for you this year because you didn't use that floating row cover you can use any product that's based on bt which stands for bacillus thuringiensis but all you have to know is bt and that is an organic uh, bio pesticide. It's based on a bacteria. It's very safe for humans, safe for animals, safe for uh, other insects that live in the garden as well. And you can apply that to your plants according to label instructions. Don't use any of the chemical products like Seven and all that stuff. You don't Ugh. need to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Uh, but the BT is very safe to use as a very common product on organic farms and things like that. So that's what I would turn to since you missed the boat on uh, row covers. You know, I know you've heard this story a hundred times, Jess, but cabbage worms are the reason that I became an organic gardener as early on in my gardening life, I had cabbage worms really bad, called somebody, hey, what do you do about this? I said, get this stuff called seven, sprinkle it down. I did that. Yeah. And that same day, uh, my kid who's now 31 was a toddler walking through the garden barefoot through that stuff. And I was like, that's when my epiphany happened. Like, and I started to read what seven was, and it's a nerve toxin, and I just don't didn't want my kids anywhere around it. And that's the day I went organic. And now you've got all these amazing products that won't hurt us, won't hurt the environment, won't hurt the good bugs. And uh, it's always better to, to choose something like that that won't also disrupt the whole entire balance of nature. And I got to tell you, thank you you very much. Um, Something cool I saw in my garden yesterday. In fact, I took a video of it. I'll have to post it on Facebook. One of the reasons why cabbage worms are not as problematic as they could be in my garden is because of paper wasps. So both yellow jackets and those brown paper wasps that build the nests and hornets up in the tree, they love to feed caterpillars to their developing young. And so I have a video of a wasp landing Mm. on my cabbage plant chewing up the cabbage worm into little tiny pieces and flying off with it to go f- take it into the nest. Then come back, get another part, and fly back again. Sounds like a great flick. It, <laughs> it's it's really cool to see that in action in your garden and see them taking care of, of the bad bugs Yeah, watch that over breakfast. Sounds yeah, great. Yum. Here's Grace. Grace, how are you? Good morning. Good morning. I have two questions. The first one's for Doug. 
how do I go about getting a 39.45 tomato seeds? Okay. Secondly, wait, wait. We'll stop. We'll start. Stop there for a second. Thirty-nine forty-five is a tomato that was found on the battlefield uh, during World War II. Yeah, uh, I'm aware of what it. You I'm, know, I'm, I know. It. I know you are, but I just want to tell the rest of the listeners oh, okay. to what, what it is. Just so before I answer you, so it's this tomato that was found on the uh, battlefield in World War II from a local guy, and then my friend Dan Cummings uh, from Pleasant Hills. He he saved the seed, and so. To get some of those seeds, all you have to do is send me a self-addressed stamped envelope at, um, let's see, what address should we use? I don't know. Uh, here's the address. Uh, it's 535 uh, Keystone Drive, Warrendale, PA, 15086. And you can find that uh, online at my Everybody Garden site. So that's how you get your 3945 uh, tomato seed. Now, what was your second question? Uh, the second question is, I have a large sedum. It's a Autumn Joy, mm-hmm. and it's where I don't want it. And I would like to move it. And could I move it now? Well, this is not the best time to move it. Uh, typically, you're much better off with those fall bloomers, moving them first thing in the spring when they first start to emerge from the ground. The only way I, reason I would suggest that you move it right now is if you absolutely don't have a choice, like you're putting in a new sidewalk or it, it has to be moved. This is a very stressful time to be moving plants when it's this hot out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to avoid it if at all possible. Okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, bug-eating eggplant leaves, and what can they do about moldy bee balm leaves? So let's start with the uh, eggplant, which is probably, does it say anything about the damage or anything wrong? It's probably flea beetles. That's their number one food source. What can you do about flea beetles? They love eggplants, and and it makes little tiny holes in the leaves, and it really can skeletonize skeletonize them. If it's a big, giant eggplant, it can, you know, withstand quite a bit of damage. If it's a young seedling, it, yeah, it can really knock it back quite a bit. So you can use... um, Oh my gosh, a kaolin clay based product. There's one called Surround that works really well for it. The other uh, product that you can use is uh, one based on spinosad. And spinosad is a uh, fermented bacterial product. It's another bio insecticide that is very safe to use and probably the most common. With that one, you just want to the flea beetles to eat it. Right, Right, exactly. They need to take a crunch out of the leaves in order to ingest that. Uh, And probably the most common brand of that is Captain Jack's Dead Bug Brew. And I certainly know that's at all of our sponsors and lots of other local garden centers as well. As far as the mold on the bee balm goes, uh, that's probably powdery mildew, which is largely an aesthetic issue. It doesn't really affect the health of the plant. It just makes it not look so hot. In my garden, if I've got a variety of powdery, of um, Monarda or lilac that gets powdery mildew, boom, it's out of there. And I replace it with one that's naturally resistant because I don't want to have to be dealing with that in the future. Yeah, I've got a bunch of old-fashioned flocks, and it's been hit hard, but I yeah. don't care. I'm not going to tear out all that old flocks. You yeah. know, it's, it's like a weed. It makes it's it nice at so the hot. end of the summer when it's blooming. It's great. Yeah. And, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But you can <laughs> use, there are, uh, there's one called Green Cure, which is a bar- bicarbonate uh, uh, fungicide, which is... Uh, there's some that are based on um, sodium bicarbonate, which is baking soda, but there's other, there's potassium bicarbonate that is much better. And those products are like Green Cure is probably the most common one. And they work very well against uh, the fungus. All right. Busy first half hour for Doug and Jeff. Still 30 minutes to go. So if you weren't able to get through, we do have some available phone lines now. 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank, Kinston Access, KDK.com. Hey, 
Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. All right, 10th caller right now wins that gift certificate to Janoski's out in that beautiful community of Clinton, Pennsylvania, 412-922-1020. couple quick things. Join me next Saturday, 11 a.m. at Whole Foods for a free herb presentation, Planting Herbs Now to Keep the Harvest Coming. It's all to promote the Wexford Garden and Pond Tour, which happens the week after that. And you can find all about that at everybodygardens.com. And, hey, you can get some free caladium bulbs if you just stop by Han Nursery and Ross. Just say you heard it from Jess and Doug, and they'd be glad to give you one. All right. Uh, last year, Maple Tree decided to plant itself three feet outside my front door. It now stands very tall. I need to get rid of it. Should I feel guilt about just sawing through the uh, diameter of the trunk and disposing it of its sapling? My preference, good idea or not? Yeah, you know, we got to do what you got to do. You know, be easy to move if you wanted to, but why not? Yeah, three feet is way too close to the house. Yeah. But you could dig it up, try to move it somewhere else. This fall, if you if you felt guilty, move it. If you um, don't have a conscience about plants. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hack it to the ground and kill it. <laughs> All right, uh, this plant, what is it? This is a picture that was sent by one of your oh. fans. Oh, that's a ZZ plant. Okay, taking care of a ZZ plant, best advice. Yeah. So What's on it there? Is that mealybug or what is that? There's something. There's like, see right here at the stem? Uh, little brown spot. Uh, oh, I thought, I, I, I was looking worry. at the leaves. I yeah, thought... I mean, it looks pretty, that, that soil in that pot looks super saturated. So that brown on there could be sort of rot at the soil level. Uh, ZZ plants can be grown as a house plant during the uh, wintertime. And then in the summertime, it's out on a patio plant, which is where I have mine. Uh, in outdoor conditions, it would prefer partial shade out on your patio. But then when you take it inside, uh, put it in a nice, bright, sunny window for the winter. Actually, super easy plant to take care of. Really nice, thick, glossy, dark green leaves. Um, it does actually well in very low light in the house as well. It's one of those plants that's just sort of incredibly adaptable. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Just don't overwater it. All right. I know you hate it when your pot's super saturated, Mr. Oster. So I, I have <laughs> he to. He says a- that all the time. So <laughs> I have to ask you there's all this news about these medical marijuana plants, and you both know a little bit about growing things. So what do they do? Do they grow the plant and then liquid form? How do they do it? Is it kind of like the tobacco process? You know, it's it's funny because uh, at this, we were talking about the upcoming uh, Garden Writers Symposium. There's a presentation there, something to the effect of like talking about us having to know about growing marijuana, whether you like it or not, because it's going to be a, a big part of our, our, our business. And when I was at in Baltimore at a trade show, that was the first thing I saw was, you know, a, 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 ni- a nice organic company that I've dealt with for 20 years was was talking all about growing pot, you know, and how to help people grow pot. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know how it, how it's done, uh, you Je- know. Jessica? Well, I know. I think a lot of it is vegetatively propagated. So, right, they come up but with somebody three told different me, strains. Somebody, like I, like I, I just told somebody, like everybody was talking about. I want, I want to, I want to grow that, you know, as 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 a crop, mm-hmm. you know, instead of having to compete with Canada for tomatoes or someplace else for this or that. Right. And I said, well, wouldn't it be a a a dangerous crop to grow because when it comes into its fruition, everybody's going to want it if it's in a you know in a field. You know, if you grow corn in the field, you're going to lose some, you know, sweet corn mm-hmm. in the field. You're going to lose some on the edges. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're growing pot, but then somebody told me that the way that they grow it, those 
buds aren't they they do something different with them to make them into what they use for medical or something. I don't know. The average person's not allowed to grow pot though, right? No, a, no, no, okay, no. And I, I mean, I like I said, if you if you were a hydroponic grower for let's say thirty years and you had the system down, you would love to be part of this if you could make money off it. You know, the other thing that I when I talked to that trade show was that yeah, right off the bat, it's going to be a lot of money. But just like anything else, it's going to it's going to turn into any other crop yeah Mm -hmm. that that you're you know you're going to be competing against other people that that grow it uh it it's for me it's kind of a mystery i don't know how they do it and 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 how i'm I'm all for it and if it can benefit people medically and help farmers then great you know i I agree but i you know i know you're a little hesitant yeah well i just you know I don't think people are going to grow it in fields. I think no. it's an indoor, yeah. hydroponically, that's artificially not the part light. I, that's not the part I'm no. worried about. The part I'm worried about is, is, is it actually medical or is it like California where anybody can get a card because they want to get stoned? Well, look, you know, they're selling it for recreational purposes in Vegas. If you now. want to get stoned, knock yourself out. But I just don't think it's a. a but if it can help somebody with seizures, definitely. A child, you know, if you can, is it, if it's tech, if it's medical, great. You know, I. And and I'm not a big you know anti drug guy. It's just have you written about this yet or done any videos yet? Uh, I've written a little bit about it, but again, it's it's so early on. It's hard to it's hard to get a, a grasp on exactly how it's done, who's going to do it, and what the ramifications are. Hmm. All right, good stuff. Eight six six three nine one ten twenty dollar bank instant access kdk dot com. Uh, let's go to Gene in Kennensburg. Hey, Gene, how you doing? Thank you very much for taking my call. Uh, I heard a friend of mine told me that uh, there is a home mixture that you can make to kill uh, weeds. It consists of Epsom salt, vinegar, dish soap, and water. Mm -hmm. Can you give me the ratios on that, and is it any good? I will not give you the ratios (laughs) on that. And instead, I'm going to give you a small lecture on why you shouldn't be using homemade concoctions to kill weeds in your landscape. Hold on. Let me turn my headphones off. Before you start another lecture. <laughs> Number one, it's technically illegal, and I, by law, cannot suggest that you do anything that is not tested and, uh, you know, by the EPA for its effects on human health and everything else. I do, n- I never ever recommend home mixtures like that. Just they've not been tested for safety. Number two, a lot of times and especially with that mixture, it's ineffective. It might top kill the weeds, but it will not get down and kill the root. And you keep having to add more to the soil and therefore you're harming your soil organisms, including many beneficial soil organisms. You're potentially changing the pH of your soil. So they are definitely not good things to be adding um, to your landscape. Instead, I would rather see you, obviously, you know, if if you can hand pull those weeds, great. If not, there are many organic weed killers that you can use um, that are a great alternative to the chemical weed killers that shall remain nameless but and start they with the are already are mixed are. the way they're supposed to be exactly. mixed they've already been tested yep. so they won't hurt you or hurt some other things yep so uh, brand names of the organic weed killers to look for are ones like avenger there's one called burnout 
Uh, there's one called um, uh, Whitney Farms has a lawn weed killer. Um, so you want to look for those certified organic weed killers that are very safe to use. And those are the ones that you want to turn to instead of the homemade concoctions. All right. Lots of Dollar Bank Instant Access activity today. We do like it. This is from Rose. Love the show. Hey, early in the morning, ants crawling over the concrete steps of the patio. They're there for about two hours. Then they kind of disappear during the day. Uh, also alongside the patio. What should we do to get rid of them? Any help? Yeah, I, Nothing. I wouldn't, wouldn't worry about it. All right. Ants are very good for the, they help aerate the soil. They're kind of nature's cleanup crew, and they're not harmful to plants or people in any way, so they're really nothing to worry about. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. It's that time again for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. Good morning, Denise. Uh, Good morning. So to go back on growing medical marijuana, there's going to be a couple of things. One, anybody that works in, uh, we don't have the dispensaries yet, but anybody who works in one of the growing operations, they're going to go through an extensive security uh, check. It'll be like applying to work at the FBI. They're going to make sure you have good credit. You've never been arrested. They're going to do psychological testing on them. So somebody says, hey, man, that'd be cool to go get a job there. Uh, No, don't count on that at all. Um, The other thing is, from what I understand, you know, there's different extraction methods. Some, they dry it and rub it and then put it in. Some, I believe, are like making moonshine, using, you know, a a distillery of some kind to extract uh, some of the oils and the other extracts. So, you know, know, I have mixed feelings about it, too. I'm like you. You know, I worry about somebody maybe being out on the road and being high. Of course, we have people who drink alcohol and are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. At the other point, there's people that are suffering that would really benefit from it, too. exactly. I think if it's regulated in the right way, taxed in the right way, um, it it can be a good thing, but regulation only goes so far, you know. Uh, Just because you have the prescription to go get it from the dispensary doesn't mean you can't sell it to somebody else on the black market or whatever. It's all all out there. Anybody that wants it can get it if they want it. Yeah, and I think eventually it may be one of those things where you have to go to maybe a clinic, like a methadone clinic. Right, where you're using it there. Yeah, Yeah, you can't take it home with you. You can't sell it. You have to do it there. So, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting. It's... It is a new industry for the uh, horticulture, you know, that's going to open up, you know, a lot of areas for people who haven't been able to make it, say, in farming, per se, but have a, a greenhouse area well, or that, have you know, skills in greenhouse. That's, what, that's who I was. I was talking to a, a, a local farmer who has greenhouses who it, it really is hard to, to compete look, with. Right. Uh, you know, there's all sorts of, you know. Um, government help from you know for up in Canada and stuff. It's just hard to compete with them. And if you had the knowledge, you know, and ethically it, it was cool with you, why not? Why you know why not try it if you could make money on it? Yeah, sounds like it'd be a good story for you, Doug. Yeah. Oh, it sounds <laughs> sounds complex. Sounds you know you're right. It is a, it is a good story, a good story but man, but it is complicated. really complex. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's say hi to Ruth. Ruth joins us from Ross Township. Hi, Ruth. Um, I was just wondering, I have a crab apple tree, and I wondered if I could trim it down. The leaves are kind of coming over on the driveway, and it's getting really bushy, and 
I'd like to trim it. Is this the right time of year to do that? Not really, but it is a crab apple, no. and if it is in the way, yeah. you might be able to get away with it. Ideally, the bright pruning time for them is when the tree is dormant. So we're talking about like February, early March is the best time. But it's one of those things where if it's like scraping on the side of your car and it's really, you know, getting in your way, then it's okay to go ahead yeah. and prune it. Because it's a real tough tree. It's, it's yeah. not, you're not going to kill it by doing that. Yeah. Okay. We'll just trim it a little bit. How, how, like how thick would the branch be that's coming out there? Because when you, when you are making those cuts... You, you want to make more than one cut. You don't, if it's a thick branch, you don't want to cut right against the trunk because it's going to rip. So cut out a little bit no. first, cut out a little bit first, and then cut right close, about a quarter inch from the trunk. It's not a thick tree. It's a small, fairly small okay. tree. Okay. Um, well. So I don't think the branches would be very small. Right. I would suggest if you're going to do it now, number one, do it on a dry day to reduce the risk of fungal infection entering the wound. Number two, use clean pruning equipment, disinfect it with like Lysol spray or a 10% bleach solution before you do any pruning on it. Um, Do not seal the cuts with anything. Just let them naturally heal on their own, Um, you know, and cross your fingers that you, you know, fire blight or another pathogen doesn't enter that cut or wait until the tree is dormant to do the pruning. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you very much. All right. Next stop, Baden, Pennsylvania. Here is Tina. Hey, Tina. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. I had a question about my amaryllis. I just came across it a few, like maybe a month ago. Somebody gave it to me for Christmas and I planted it and it bloomed. It's starting to wither now. Can I let it wither all the way back and maybe rebloom it in the winter? So it hasn't been taken care of at all? It's just kind of dried up and gone into dormancy? Is that right? Well, it's, no, it's, it's in full bloom right now. Oh, it's in full bloom now. All right, so after yes. that after that flower is done blooming, you remove mm-hmm. you remove the flower stalk, not the leaves, just the, okay. the flower stalk. And then, okay. yeah, you're going to have to let those, those big leaves are going to be what gives the bulb all its energy. So That's you're going to have to grow it as a house plant for how long, Jess? How long would you have to keep it going? I would think? say at least until September or October. Yeah, and I was thinking okay. even maybe a little okay. longer. And yeah, fertilize it, grow it like a healthy house plant, and then at some point, whether it's keep October, it. whether it's October or November or September, whenever it is, you stop watering, mm-hmm. stop fertilizing, and now we just let it kind of go into dormancy. Once those leaves kind of wither away. Now we let that sit for another six to eight weeks in dormancy uh, and then start watering again. And then we cross our fingers. If the first thing that pops out of that bulb is a little bud, you did it right. If not, it didn't have enough energy and you have to wait another year for a, for a bloom. Okay. All Thank right. You. All right. Back, All right. To, back to wrap it up. Stay with us. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020, KDK. All right, CBS Radio News, moments away at 8 o'clock. Then it's the Coons Cooking Hour. Steve Kressler from Organic Girl Salads joins Joe and Frank Dentisi on the Disc Institute of Pittsburgh News Line talking summer salads. Jamie Meredith and Tyler Villano along with Ray Ballantyne hosting Hepburn Till It's Injure Money in You. Then the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday Show and the latest on everything that is the Penguins and Free Agency. We'll talk pirate baseball as well. So join us later today for that. But the last couple of minutes of this hour belong to Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser. Well, July is a great time to continue planting. Succession planting is a great idea. Uh, when we're talking about harvesting that garlic, 
it's a perfect time to put another crop into that place. For me, it's usually bush beans. Um, and I, I love beans. So, mm-hmm. and the bush beans will be ready in time. There's lots of cool varieties out there. You know, Royal Burgundy is a nice one. It's purple. And then when you cook it, it turns green. Kids love that. And Provider, Contender, I'm trying to think of some other bush beans, some uh, yellow wax bush bean, mm-hmm. lots of different things out there. But there's also lots of other things that you can be putting in now, too. Another crop of basil is a good idea, you know, because as they get older, they start to... to uh, Flower. That changes their flavor, too. And I'm surprised that I'm still... And I forgot to look up the... It's called... It's a purple sugar purple sugar magnolia pea. It's still putting on peas. Nice. This late. Yeah. Uh, which is really great. It's been a great... It's an old heirloom pea that huh. grows six foot tall. And I'm. This is probably the latest I can think of. From you know, started started the seeds as always on St. Patrick's Day, and still picking these purple. They're snow peas at first, and then you can let them. You know. Yeah. I know how much you like the shell peas. I so. do. Well, <laughs> and I just was going to say too, my sugar snaps are still producing as well, but I put mine in a couple weeks after you put yours in. But the plants are starting to yellow and fade, which is what peas do when the weather gets really warm. But I'll be pulling those out, and you put bush beans in their place. I like to put carrots and Swiss chard in their place. I love to do a July sowing of carrots because those guys are get sweetened by those first few frosts. They're ready to pick usually in October, November, right in time for Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, and I love to do late crops. I, we Our early carrots are just about ready to pick, but then I'll have this late sowing of carrots as well. So that's what, usually what I like to put in where, where I pull my peas Be out. a good time to put some beets in, too. Root, root oh, crops yeah. like that, beets and turnips. Uh your favorite rutabagas. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just out in the garden yesterday and I was pulling out all a lot of my lettuce has bolted, which means going to flower, which again, they normally do when the weather gets hot. But I'm pulling those out of the garden and I'll be replacing those with some summer greens. Um, uh, maybe some kale will go in their place as well. So as you harvest things, as plants kind of age in the vegetable garden, they get pulled out and always replace them with something else. Um, I, I love planting now, just thinking about going into the when the things cool right? off. Right, you know, yeah. Going as yep. long, long as we can. Yep, yep. Definitely. I've been harvesting a lot of broccoli as well. And what I'll do with the broccoli is I'll harvest that main head of broccoli, and then I'll wait for those side shoots to develop. And the side shoots are nice and tender and lovely. And, and if you picked a good variety of broccoli they're very prolific and many times i'll get more of those side shoots than i got from the single head of the broccoli what are you doing for your cabbage worms uh actually the wrens and the uh the little wasps that we have are taking care of almost all of the cabbage worms i have a little bit of holes in the leaves but we have some bird houses hanging right in the vegetable garden and the little wrens just hop right along the plant and i watch them eat up the cabbage worms as they go it's It's pretty cool it's love lovely to watch the wrens do their thing and i'm doing the same thing in my garden and even to listen to them because they're still calling for a mate believe it or not this late in the season they might nest one more time i think Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of fun a lot of fun to be in the summer garden like i said last week i just love looking at all the the weird bugs and stuff in there and seeing what they're doing lots of cool stuff going on so uh you know and and some pests as well but that's okay we can manage those we can always i've been so those. lucky with that i've been so lucky with my my stuff i haven't been affected by anything yet yeah you know no aphids no nothing all right, guys, have a great 4th of July. You too. Thank Remember, you. the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.